Thank you for downloading this sermon brought to you by the preaching ministry of Liberty Baptist Church of Las Vegas, Nevada, Dr. David Tice. For more sermons in both audio and video format, we encourage you to visit experienceliberty.com. Also, for a word of encouragement, insight, and biblical inspiration, follow Pastor David Tice's blog at davidtice.com. So without further ado, let's open our hearts to the Word of God. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to uh, Matthew chapter 7. We've been studying that we've been studying about living kingdom truth. Jesus has talked to us about what we should be doing to represent him. He has told us that we are salt and light and that we're to represent him in everything that we do and say. And he taught us this prayer that we just prayed, told us to pray for these things, that God's glory would, be, would shine through us, that we would represent him. He has told us all of these things. He's then told us how we ought to lay down our lives before him and that we ought to seek first his kingdom and live for his kingdom above everything else. Now as he's coming to the end of his sermon, the end of this Sermon on the Mount, he, he focuses in on something that Satan will use to keep us from representing him. He comes to, to Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1 and he begins to talk about something that is very, very essential. And that is that we judge not. He says, judge not. Now this verse is so misused by our culture. It is so totally and completely misused by our culture. And, and I want to make sure that today we understand what God's Word says about judging. In fact, I want to give you a definition of this word judge in just a minute. If you've been saved for any length of time, you know that Christians can often have conflict with each other. And the reason is because we sin. You are in a group of people here today who claim to be children of God, but we're all imperfect. We all do things wrong. Now, we've done this before, but let's do this right now. Look at the person right next to you and say this, I know you sin. Say that to them. Okay. So, so we, we know that. We know that. We live in a world. You say, man, I just looked at my husband and said that. The fact of the matter is we live in a world that is filled with sin and, and we, we're amongst Christians and we, we do things wrong. We're not perfect. When you get saved, you're not made perfect. You're made holy in the sight of God. But our flesh still does things wrong. Our flesh does, still sins. And because of that, Christians can have conflict one with another. We, we fight with one another, but that's not God's plan. It's not God's will when you got, when, when you got, when, for us to fuss, fuss with one another. See, when you got saved, you were born into the family of God, and you've got a bunch of imperfect brothers and sisters. But Jesus prayed that we would not fuss with each other, but that we would get along with each other. Jesus said this. It just, no, that's not what's supposed to come up. You know why that's up there? Because we're imperfect. Okay, there you go. This morning's message is entitled, Get Rid of Your Critical Spirit. 
get rid of your critical spirit. I really believe there are demons that work in our world that tell us nasty things about our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Jesus is going to address that in this passage of Scripture. Jesus wants us to get along. In fact, he, his, his last prayer for us is recorded in John chapter 17, and this is what he prayed. Neither said he, pray I for these alone, not just for the 12 apostles that were there, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's you and me. Jesus is praying for us that they may be one. God wants us to be united. As thou, Father, art in me. How united? As close as God the Father and God the Son are, that the, as, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. Now, he said, I want them to be unified. Now, what happens when we're unified? Look that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. When the world sees a unified church that's loving one another and not critical of one another, they believe that Jesus was sent from God the Father. They see Christ in us. Jesus prayed, or Jesus said to his disciples this. He said, peace I leave with you. Peace. I want you to be at peace with one another. Peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither be afraid. God wants us to be at peace with one another. Jesus prays that we are at peace with one another, but we have conflict with other Christians. You find Christians criticizing other Christians. Now, why does this happen? Why do Christians criticize other Christians? Now, now, that's what Jesus is going to deal with in this passage. Why does that happen? Well, there are several reasons. Uh, according to the Scriptures, the Bible tells us, uh, first of all, we fuss with one another because we covet our brothers' and sisters' positions or possessions. Here's what, here's what James says. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Now he's talking to Christians. He's talking to you and me. Why are you fighting with each other? Come they not hence, even of your lusts, which war in your members? You want what you want, and you want maybe what they've got. You lust, and you have not. You kill and desire to have, and yet you cannot obtain. You fight, and you war. He's not talking to people out there. He's talking to us in here. And yet you have not because you ask not. The problem is you're looking at each other, you're, you're wanting other, your other people's stuff, and yet the problem is if you just ask me, I would give it to you. The Bible says not only, it's not, a, not only is it because we lust, but the Bible says we, we're proud. We're proud. We fight with one another because we're proud. We don't want other people to see our faults or we're defending our right. So the Bible says only by pride cometh contention. We, we, we fuss with one another because we want somebody else's position or their possessions. We fight with one another because we're proud. But more than that, the Bible tells us that we fuss with one another because demons influence us to despise our brethren. Look what the Bible says in, in James again. It says, 
But if you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, well, I'm mad at that person because they're not righteous and they did, they did something wrong. Hey, listen, if you've got bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. Don't think it's because you're so righteous and they're so bad. Glory not. And lie not against the truth. Don't, don't lie and say it's because they're bad. No. This wisdom, he says, this, this, uh, this finding fault with other people, this wisdom descendeth not from above. It didn't come from heaven. But then where did it come from? It's earthly. That's, that's, it's of the world. It's worldly. It's sensual. It's of your flesh. And it's devilish. That's demonic. This fighting that comes between brothers and sisters in Christ, this criticism that you have towards your husband or, or towards your wife or towards your children or towards your uncle or your aunt, this critical spirit that you have, it's not from above. It's earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. God's, God's, you're not able to represent God if that's what's going on in your life. So, Knowing that this world, that this would be the case, that this is, this is the way it's going to be, Jesus knew that in, in, in this sermon, and again, this is just the coming to the end of the sermon. As he comes to the end of the sermon, Jesus, after telling us that we should live for eternal things, he urges his disciples not to allow this pride, this covetousness, or this demonic spirit to cause them to become critical of their brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's where we come to in, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1 when he says, to the brothers and sisters uh, towards one another, he says, judge not. That is, don't judge or don't be critical of your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what he's saying. It's so easy to find fault. It's so easy to see what people are doing wrong. It's so easy to allow bad words to come out of our mouth towards our brothers and sisters. And he's saying, no, fight against that. He gives a command here. Judge not. Don't allow yourself to have a critical spirit towards your brothers. This is not saying that you shouldn't be able to judge between what is right and what is wrong. We, we have this, this, this verse is quoted, chapter uh, 7 and verse 1 is quoted uh, by, by the world over and over. You say, hey, you know what, that person's living in adultery and that's sin. They say, huh, judge not. You say, that person's uh, prof uh, professed homosexuality and homosexuality is sin. They say, judge not. Well, that person is, uh, is abusing alcohol. Judge not. Don't judge. You're disobeying Jesus. That, that has nothing to do with this. Look, the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians. The Bible says, he that is spiritual, that's you and me, we got saved and the Spirit of God comes to live inside of us, judges all things. We know what is right and we know what is wrong. So we're supposed to make discernments about everything. Uh, should I be going here? Should I be going there? Should, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be doing that. He that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. God's word tells us that you and I should judge and that we should make decisions. 
But here in Matthew, he's saying, look, when it comes to your brothers and sisters, you do not want to be critical of them. You do not want to be uh, criticizing them and putting your brothers and sisters down, whether it's publicly or privately, whether it's just you having a sharp tongue, your children aren't behaving right, and then you just rip them apart, your, 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 your spouse does something wrong, and you just rip them apart. You need to learn how to guard your tongue so that you're not criticizing and hurting those that are closest to you, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Why? Because God tells us this, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your tongue can kill somebody. Your tongue can damage somebody. We, when we were kids, we used to say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. The truth of the matter is, sticks and stones may break your bones, but, but words can rip your heart out. Words are horrible. Words can be misused. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18, look at this, there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. Wow, that's an amazing statement. Your words can go in and pierce somebody like a sword. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 8. Listen to this. The words of a talebearer are as wounds. You start telling other people. You start talking about your brothers and sisters in Christ. They're like wounds that go down into the innermost parts of the belly. That, that verse is so important, and that truth is so important that God repeats it twice in Proverbs. In Proverbs 26, 22, the exact same wording. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. When you start talking negative about somebody, when you start speaking negative, when you, when you say to them, you, you are such an idiot, or you, you, you badmouth them, you are... You, are, you can destroy a life. And God makes it very clear. It is easy to find fault and to voice criticism, but this is the opposite of kindness. This is not being salt and light. And Jesus is saying, look, don't allow this to happen. We can be harsh and critical, again, towards those that are closest to us. I, I'm, I'm reminded of what Solomon said in Proverbs he said this, he said, it's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. Now, men are saying amen, uh, but I'm telling you, women can say the same thing. It's better to dwell in the corner of a house than with a brawling man in a wide house. I mean, what a horrible thing. Uh, there, uh, the picture there is that you've got this beautiful big house, but they've gone up to the housetop and in, in, those, in, in the time of Solomon, they would have parapet roofs so that there would be a wall around the outside of the, of the roof of the house. And, and to get away from everybody, you'd go and get in the little corner and just sort of ball up in a ball. And you picture this person who's just so tired of being criticized, so tired of being put down. Everything they do is wrong. Everything they try to accomplish is wrong. And it's just easier to just go up and be in that uh, corner of a house and be alone. Wow. That's an amazing thing. You know, the, a, a, a father... A father is supposed to be an encouragement to his children, but the Bible says this in Ephesians, you fathers... 
don't provoke your children. Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Instruct them and give them discipline, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. When a, when a father says unkind things to his children, things like, like, like hey, you brought home, you got, a, you got a B? You got a B in math? That father's forgotten what he got in math when he was a kid. You got to be, why aren't they all A's? Instead of saying, wow, I can't believe this child has got A's and B's. He must have taken after his mother. Uh, instead, of, instead of praising him, we put them down. Why can't they be? Why can't, you, why can't you live up? Why can't you be like your brother? Why can't you be like your sister? How come I have to have the dumb kid? Because he's like you, buddy. Fix your hair. You're such a mess. Why don't you, instead of criticizing him for the way his hair is, fix his hair for him. Help him. Help her. St statements like, you're so stupid, aren't funny. They're, not, they're just unkind. You're an embarrassment to me. You're an embarrassment to me. Don't let those kind of words come out of your mouth. Man, when you have that kind of critical spirit, why don't you dress better? Why don't you, why don't you buy them better clothes? I've, I've tried to help, I've tried to help my, my, my children. I've tried to help my grandchildren. I, I, I see my granddaughters, and they've got holes in their, in, their, in their pants. And I say, listen, Grandpa will buy you some pants that have not got holes in them, but they're not interested anyway. Why it's so important that we not be critical. No one wants to be with somebody who's always critical of others. No one wants to be around you when all you have to do is find fault with them. God warns us about that. Let me show you several verses of Scripture. First of all, Jesus says this in Luke. He says, judge not that you be not judged. This is from the same the same sermon. Judge not that you be not judged. That, let's, let's put the word critical in there, okay? I'm not changing scripture. Uh, I'm just sharing with you what this word means. Criticize not and you'll not be criticized. Condemn not and you'll not be condemned. If you forgive, then you shall be forgiven. Look, you, why, why, do we, why, why are people critical of us? Because we're critical of others. In Romans chapter 14, Paul says, look, there's, there's going to be people who differ than, than you in even what they think, and, and some people are going to regard the day. They're going to say, you've got to worship on a certain day. Others are not. Uh, other people are going to say you should eat certain things, and others are going to say you shouldn't. Listen, don't judge your brother because of what he does and what he doesn't do. Don't be critical of your brother. Then he ends up by saying this in verse 13. He says, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. So let's just put the word critical in there. So let's, let us not therefore be critical one of another, criticizing one another, but be critical of this rather. Criticize yourself that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Because when you're constantly criticizing your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, your, your husband, your wife, your, your children, then you're putting up, you're causing them to stumble. Think about that, he's saying. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. He says, therefore, judge nothing 
before the time. Stop criticizing your brother until the Lord come. Now look what's going to happen to your brother that you've criticized. He says, therefore, don't be critical of your brother before the time until the Lord come, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness. Could it be that your brother who's offending you by something that he's doing has really got a good heart about that because he's saved and he wants to do right, but you don't understand his motive. You are only seeing what he's doing outwardly. So he says, don't judge that. People take this and say, God's going to show you the wickedness of your heart when you get, then everybody's going to know how wicked you were. No, he's saying, you stop being critical of your brother and stop condemning him. The Lord's going to come and he's going to bring to light why he did what he did. And he's going to manifest the counsels of that person's heart. Now look, and then what's going to happen? Then God will throw him into hell. No, the Bible says, and then shall every man have praise of God. Imagine that, Steve. God's going to have something good to say about you. And all those people, all those people that said all those nasty things about you. And I never listen, Steve. Uh, but all those people that said all those nasty things about you. They're going to hear God say, this is my kid, and look at him. And he's going to be so proud of you. Wow. That's a whole lot different. It's a whole lot different. Be careful what you say about one of God's kids. That's what he's saying, because God's going to say some nice things about him, and then you're going to really feel dumb. That's what I said, not him. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 11 says this, for we, if we would judge ourselves, look, if you'd be critical of yourself, then you're not going to be criticized. See that? If you would just be critical of yourself, you're not going to be criticized so much by others. James says this, for he shall have judgment without mercy. You're going to be criticized without mercy who hath uh, showed no mercy. If you haven't been merciful, you're just running your mouth about everybody. And then uh, the Bible says, mercy rejoiceth against judgment. I want mercy. I don't want judgment. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut about my brothers and sisters in Christ. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's so amazing. He says in James uh, 5, 9, grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Jesus is watching you. Your father's watching you. As you badmouth your brother and sister in Christ, so don't do it. So when we come to, to Matthew chapter 7, this is a warning against you using your tongue in a critical fashion against your brother and your sister in Christ. Wow. And he says, look, don't allow yourself to be critical because you're jealous, because of jealousy, or because of bitterness, or because of pride, or because demons are influencing you. Because your harsh words can be the ruin of others. When, when you're critical of others, you draw criticism. Instead of voicing criticism of others, Examine yourself. Look at what he says. Look at what he says. Let's read it together. In, uh, in verse 1, it says, judge not. That is, don't criticize your brother, and you won't be criticized. 
For with what judgment that you judge, with the same criticism that you judge others, you're going to be criticized. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. You say, how do you know this is talking about brothers and sisters in Christ? How come it's not talking about people out in the world? Look what it says. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in your brother's eye? He's talking about brother to brother. He's talking about brothers and sisters fighting, fussing with one another. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? I, I just, you picture a guy with a pencil sticking in his eye uh, trying to p- p- pull a splinter out of his brother's eye. Why, why are you doing that? You've got problems of your own. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull the mote out of thine eye, let me get that splinter out of your eyes, and yet a beam is in your own eye. Stop it. Stop criticizing your brother. Get the mote out of your own eye. Then he says that this, thou hypocrite. First, cast the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast the moat out of thine own eye. Instead of criticizing the person, get the thing out of your eye first, and then you'll be able to help your brother get the thing out of his eye. So you say, so what am I supposed to do? Here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to, instead of voicing criticism, confess your own sin. See, that's what, that's what John tells us in 1 John. He says, if we say that we have no sin, I don't have a problem, pencil sticking out of my eye. I don't have a problem. No, you take care of your problem. If we say, I don't have a pencil in my eye, then we're, they're not very bright. If I say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. You see, it's God saying, you take care of your problems. Let me take care of your brothers and sisters. You take care of your problems. He, he is, uh, if, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. We allow him to cleanse us when we confess our sin. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So God says here, here's the deal. Quit criticizing your brother. Quit finding fault with your husband, your wife, your sister, your brother, your, your friend, your relative. Stop it. Just stop it. Stop being critical of everybody else around you. By the way, they already know they got problems. They don't need you re-emphasizing that. Isn't that true, Rob? You know you have problems. Everybody knows you have problems. Everybody knows that. And you already know it. So you don't need me telling you about them. Because you got Brenda. So, (laughs) So here we are. Here we are, he says, look, number one, he says, get, get these things out. Now listen to this. He, after he tells us that, he says, <clears throat> this is, this, this is going to give you grace to help other people. If you'll just determine, if you'll just, God, or if you'll just say to God, God, I confess to you that, every, that I want to say bad things, that I, that I think bad things about others, I confess that as sin. I confess there's a demon that's constantly telling me to find fault with my brothers. I confess that as sin, and I pray he'll take that away. You know what he'll do for you? He'll take it away. So, then he goes on. And here's another verse that is taken totally out of context, oftentimes. In fact, I've done this. It says in verse 6, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. 
Neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. So what's that all about? Why does he throw this verse here in the middle of his sermon? What is, what, where does, what is that all about? Um, uh, because uh, uh, I've taught before that this passage means don't waste time trying to witness to somebody who doesn't want to hear the truth. And there's some truth in that, but that's not the context of this passage. The context of this passage is you not criticizing your brother. And specifically, don't criticize other Christians to the lost world. That's what this is all about. He is saying never blaspheme or speak evil about your brothers and sisters before the lost. That's what he's saying. Say, how do you get that? Listen, he says, give not that which is holy to the dogs. There are 30 times, 30 different things or people in the New Testament that are referred to as holy. There's the Holy Spirit. Most often you see the word holy with the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. There's the holy city. There's the holy temple. There's holy angels. There's John the Baptist. He's referred to as a holy man. Jesus is referred to as holy. The name of God is referred to as holy. The prophets are referred to as holy. The covenants are referred to as holy. The scriptures are referred to as holy. Out of the 30 times that Jesus refers, now listen to this, so important. Out of the 30 times that Jesus, or, or the New Testament uses the word holy, 12 of those times relate to individual Christians or, or the body of Christ or the church. Uh, it refers to the holy church. It's referred to the holy body of believers. It's, uh, the word holy talks about the children of believers. They're holy. He says the unmarried Christian virgins are holy. He says the believers are holy. He says the church, again, is holy. He says believers' attitudes are holy. He says the brethren are holy. He says our hands are holy. He says our lives are holy. He he says holy, uh, th- there are holy women. He talks about our lifestyle being holy. He talks about our faith being holy. He talks, he talks about all of these things. Now listen, all of these refer to individual believers or believers as a group. So you and I are, are referred to as the holy ones in the New Testament. We are the holy ones. And so when he says here, when he says here, look, don't don't take that which is holy and throw it to the dogs. He's talking about your holy brothers and sisters. Don't take them and throw them to the dogs. And he says, don't take them and throw them to the swine. And, the, the, I, and I don't mean to be unkind. It's Jesus is talking. He's saying, look, he's referring to the Gentiles or the unbelievers as dogs and swine. And he's saying, look, what you're, gonna, what you're doing is you're taking your, the reputation of your holy brothers and sisters and you're throwing them before the dogs. You're giving them that which is holy to the dogs and then you're taking them and you're throwing them to the swine and, because you're criticizing them in front of the lost. And, and, and when you do that, you need to understand when you throw them to the swine, the swine are going to beat up and just chew up your, your brothers and sisters, your holy brothers and sisters. But then he says this, look what he says. They're going to trample them under their feet and then what they'll do is turn around and they will rend you again. Wow. You're going to get the same judgment because you allowed them to be judged and it's going to be turned around 
towards you. What an amazing statement Jesus is giving us here. When you gossip about your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're throwing that which is holy to the dogs. When you criticize your brothers and sisters of Christ on social media, and you get on there and you start ripping apart this preacher or that preacher or that Christian or this Christian, and we, we, I, it just it sickens me when I get on social media and I hear one Christian ripping apart another Christian. The Bible tells us this. Jesus is saying, look, you need to understand you're not salt and light anymore. You're throwing your holy brethren before the swine. You are so foolish. Don't do it. When you go to a public meeting, and you criticize your brother. He, that's why he says in 1 Corinthians, you don't take your brother to court in front of the Gentiles. You're, you're dishonoring the name of Christ. You're throwing that which is holy before the dogs. You're, you're giving that which is, they're giving the pearls that God's given to you, you're giving them to the swine. And you're, they're going to trample them, and they're going to turn around and trample you. Years ago, a guy said to me, a guy called me, and he said uh, he, he believed differently than we do about baptism. He said, I, 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 I want to I do a public debate with you. He said, well, let's do a public debate. And he challenged me to a public debate. My pride said, oh, I could whip this guy in a public debate. And then I thought, you know, I, I, I was, as I was talking to him on the phone, I said, I can't do that. He said, why? I said, well, first of all, you might, be, you might be more articulate than me, and you might win the debate, and then I would look like an idiot, and I don't want to do that. I said, number two, I might win the debate. And if I win the debate and then, and then and embarrasses you, then I'll never have an opportunity to have an interaction with you again. And I won't be able to, to try and convince you to, about the truth because it'll harden your heart towards me. I said, others, we're going to see you and I as Christians fighting with one another, and they're going to think, that, that's the way Christians are. I said, it's not going to honor God. So we're just not going to do that. He said, well, I guess I can't argue with that. Look, if you have a, a problem with a brother and sister, Jesus tells us what we should do. He says this, first of all, you take it up with them. Got a problem with a brother? You don't need to talk to anybody else about it. You go to that brother. That's what Jesus said to do. And then... And then if, if, if that doesn't resolve it, you can take it up with other believers who will go to that brother with you and so that you can have resolution to the conflict between brothers and you're not throwing your pearls before swine. And then you say, well, th th what if he still won't change? And what if he's, he's really injured me? God tells us this, keep your mouth shut and allow yourself to be defrauded. Wow. Allow yourself to be defrauded. You do not take your brother to court and fight with him because he stole your car, he, he, he damaged you in some way, he took you for so, so much money. You don't do that. Why? Because the name of Christ is more important. Allow yourself to be defrauded. And then you can also pray. In fact, that's where Jesus goes next. Again, remember, he's still talking about this thing about a critical spirit. We come down to verse 7, and he says this. He tells us this. If, uh, if there is a need in your life, don't be critical of others. Go to God yourself. Look what he says. Ask. You got a problem? 
and it's not getting resolved, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. That is, come in prayer to him. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it will be open. Or what man is there of you whom if his son shall ask bread, will he give him a stone? No, God's going to answer your prayer. Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a servant? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts um, unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good gifts to them that ask? You can come to him. You don't have to be critical of your brother because he's got more, or he ignored you, or, he, or you weren't treated right. You, you can come to God. And listen, God's hearing your prayer. God's hearing your prayer. You come and you say, I'm not going to be bitter towards my brother. I'm not going to do that. I confess that. And, but God, I have a particular need. Would you meet the, my need? When our church was looking for a piece of property to, to, to build on, uh, we needed $85,000. And I announced to the church we need $85,000. And I thought, man, uh, I thought we would really, God, you can give us $85,000. I'm praying about it. And that week, I used to listen to Jerry Falwell, who was one of my mentors, and every week he would he'd be on uh, TV and I'd be listening to him preach. <laughs> and, uh, and he got on and he announced, well, like, I need $85,000, right? So he gets on and he announces. He said, hey, I just want everybody to know that God just gave us a $5 million matching gift. And for every, every dollar you give in, we'll match it up to $5 million. We're trying to raise $10 million. I needed $85,000. I said, God, $85,000 is just a drop in a bucket. He needs eight, $5 million. You know, you, you get a little upset about that. You're bitter at your brother who needs $5 million. Why don't you send me just like a little tithe off that $5 million, Jerry? <laughs> I, I listened to that and I said, God, in my heart, I didn't even pray it. I just in my heart thought, God, why don't you give me a, a matching gift? For 85000 That's what God wants us to do. Just come to him. Don't get upset because the guy got $5 million and you need a little measly 85000 So I, I, I said, God, it'd be nice. Boy, it'd be nice if somebody gave us a matching gift. Within a week, I got a phone call from a man who said, hey, pastor. He said, you think that little church of yours can raise $85,000? I said, well, I'm trusting God. He said, well, I don't think they can, so I'm going to give I'm going to give $45,000. You think you can raise the rest? God doesn't want us to get upset with our brothers and sisters who are prospering or things are going on or whatever. God just wants us to come to him and ask him. Now, he doesn't stop there. He says just ask ask, and, and, and seek and find, and you're going to find. If you just ask, you're going to receive. If you seek, you're going to find. If you, if you knock, a door will be open. So just do what God wants you to do. Be faithful doing the work God wants you to do. And then he says this. I love this. That's when we come to verse 12. Look at verse 12. It says, Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do you even to them, for this is the law and the prophets. What is he saying? This is what we call the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It all comes in this whole idea of not being bitter of, of, to, towards your brother and, and not being critical of your brother. He says this, treat your brother and your sister in Christ the way you want to be treated. Don't be critical of them. Just, just treat everybody the way you want to be treated. 
Don't be critical of them. You don't want people criticizing you. You don't want people bad-mouthing you. You don't want people telling you to your face, you're such a jerk. You don't want people telling. So don't do that to other people. Don't voice your anger at other people. Just don't do it. And, and, and forgive them because that's what you want. And have mercy because that's what you want. Treat others the way you want to be treated. And the idea is start at home. Start at home. Be nice to your spouse. Be nice to your wife. Be nice to your children. We, we, we get so used to one another, we think we can say things off the cuff. Oh, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Don't do that. What, what, what do you, you want to do what? Don't do that. Don't let the critical mouth come out. Stop it and say, oh, man. My wife's about to say, hey, can we go get some Ah, let's go to Olive Garden. Why do we always have to go to Olive Garden? I hate Olive Garden. Why, why would I want to say that? Where does that come from? Remember, demons inspire those thoughts. Let's just sit at home today and just enjoy it. I don't want to sit at home today. I want to go do something. Hey, let's go out and have some fun. Let's just, I don't want to do that. Why can't you just be nice? We, 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 just, we, just, we just are so used to each other. Start at home with your spouse, then continue with your children. Be nice to your children. Daddy, can we play a game tonight? I've been working all day long. Would you stop bothering me? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Can I hear an amen? Okay, that's right. Listen, if you don't want others to be critical of you, stop being critical of others. That's what Jesus is saying. You don't want people to be critical of you, stop being critical of others. Very, very simple. Getting rid of a critical spirit will change your entire outlook on life. Instead of being defensive, you'll enjoy the company of others. You'll, you'll believe others want your best instead of... Instead of uh, uh, instead of w wondering why they treat you this way. He's, he starts there. Now, here's another passage that is misconstrued often. He goes on beyond that. He goes on with this conclusion. He concludes with this. He says, enter in the straight gate. Now, you've heard this. Entering the straight gate, that means that people are walking down the broad way to hell, and that's true. They're all heading towards hell, and you need to get saved, and very few people find the truth, the way to, to salvation. Okay, so you've, you've heard that, and, but that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, look, it's a whole lot easier to be mean and to criticize and to grump than it is to be encouraging and to use your mouth the right way. So he says this, because he's already told us, we've already seen that a mouth can kill. Your tongue can destroy. It's like a fire, James says, a world of iniquity. He, so, so he says, look, entering into the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. There's all sorts of people that have got all sorts of bad things to say about people. And many there be that go in there at, but you don't need to be that. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. Listen, it, this is not the way most people live. 
the narrow gate is the way that leads to abundant life. And the idea is very simply, if you want to live the abundant life, get rid of your critical mouth. Say amen to that. Okay, let's pray. Father, help us to take this truth. Help us to apply it. Help us to live it because we fight it every single day. And so I pray you'd help us to be an encouragement one to another and help us to guard what we say about our brothers and sisters so that we can be the light and salt that you've called us to be. I pray if there's somebody here that's not saved that right now they'll put their faith and trust in you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. We hope that message was an encouragement to your heart. Now for weekly updates and for information about Liberty Baptist Church, be sure to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, God bless.